Welcome to Do the Woo, episode 138. Anna, how are you? Hi there. Way too warm for this season, but all good. How about you? I am enjoying air conditioning. And <laughs> uh, it's, how do you feel about not having Bob here? Think we're going to do okay? It's weird. I don't know if I can make this with you, but I'm going to give it a good try. I hope Spencer will help. <laughs> and Bob's in the background. Yes, yes. Spencer? Hello, hello. Welcome to the show. It's good to have you. It's good to see you here on, on your home turf, and you as well, Anna. Anna, where are you located, by the way? I'm in Eastern Europe, somewhere you've never heard of, maybe. Or maybe you did. Did you hear of Romania? <laughs> yeah, of course. I, I just was wondering because, you know, we've got these heat waves and cold waves. I'm in Chicago. And so we're in the trough where instead of being hot, we're just getting cool, rainy. And I was just in California last week where it's, you know, an oven, yeah. depending on where you're at. So I'm in North Idaho. And two weeks ago, we had 114, which is ridiculous for us. Very uncharacteristic. We're a little bit delayed, but we can feel that too. <laughs> Spencer. Yes, sir. How do you do the woo? Um, you mean, how do I consume the woo? <laughs> Uh, well, you can you can take that question however you want, but that's the classic. That's our, that's where we start. How do you do the woo? I tell people if they're and this is not a gratuitous compliment to WooCommerce, but this is factual. I say if there is one plugin that you are going to marry, it should be WooCommerce. And here's why: all the other relationships you have are based upon mutual benefit, and those plugins should be singular in their purpose. But WooCommerce has managed to arrive at a place where it is, I think, should be in the core of WordPress, quite frankly. And so I tell people there are a number of benefits, even if you do not sell anything, that you should be using WooCommerce. And I would be happy to elaborate at some time that it's appropriate. But the idea is, it is the one plugin that should be in everybody's WordPress stack. So Spencer, you've, you've been in this ecosystem for a bit. Talk us through, we have a lot of things to talk about with WooCommerce, but let's let's get into your background here. Where did you first come into, where did WordPress first come under the radar for you? I was at the early days. Uh, I started in 2006, which I think was right around the time that it was Matt and four other people. No, maybe it was a year earlier, but it was really, really sitting around a campfire days. And in those days, I came from a SaaS experience uh, from a platform called Ning, where I had, working with a partner, developed a solution that we made widgets and solutions for work and play that ran on that platform. And Ning, Ning was a social networking platform, right? Ning was a social network platform builder that was freemium, which is a term you don't hear as much these days. And it was some really cool leftover technology from Mark Andreessen's venture capital inventors. And they didn't know what to do with it. So they said to everybody who was interested, come build what you want for free on our platform. And, and I said, free? As in, I can sell stuff to other people that are your clients? They said, sure. And I don't think they ever met anybody from Chicago uh, in, in that area, because next thing you know, um, they had the proverbial stadium with everybody coming to the stadium, but they forgot the, the beer and the hot dogs and the cheerleaders. And we built all those things and sold them. And then they, all of a sudden one day their venture capitalist said, um, we gave you guys a hundred million bucks and we're giving this for free. And these guys come in and you let them come in and they're making all the money. I think we should shut them down. And essentially that's what happened. Um, we had a very f short run, very profitable, very exciting. Um, that was before Facebook days. But then WordPress became known as the thing. And after we were done working for some of the competitors of Ning and getting rid of that, like 
this platform is going to compete against Facebook, which nobody then believed, we moved on to WordPress. And WordPress was exciting for one big reason and still is. I mean, the thing that's exciting about WordPress, name another platform that is open source that has this much involvement and yet people are still able to make money on it. Yeah. It just doesn't exist. So you're in the social networking context, right? Like, and WordPress at the time when it started, that was very much focused on blogging. Yeah. It was, was it just the open source that was attractive? Like, what was it that was the attraction there when you're coming from the social network platform thinking context? Right. So I'm a pilot. I've been since I was 16 and I enjoy videography and photography and creative endeavors. And at that time, YouTube was still very new. And so what I was doing with this was primarily creating my own social network for trike pilots and experimenting with the various features and so forth. As you correctly point out, in those days, WordPress was very rudimentary. We didn't really have the template hierarchy. We certainly didn't have a lot of plugins. Everything was DIY. But I immediately was attracted to the fact that, look, if we could build code uh, with the help of a professional developer on a platform... A person like me with no real coding experience could learn to code and build stuff that would be sellable on on this platform, and I can do it as I go. It was super sexy and appealing. And so in the early days, what I taught people was more of my marketing expertise, entrepreneurial expertise on what we had and how to use it for making solutions for business owners. So I taught freelancers how to use the rudimentary stuff to help other people one step behind them. But over time, that evolved into more complex stuff. So, so it sounds like you recognized something in WordPress early that made it attractive that wasn't about the features. It was more about its nature. Yeah. It was like, if, imagine a Home Depot opens and all of the stuff there is free for you to take and build what you want. Sure, the shelves are kind of bare at first. It's a smaller Home Depot, but it's still Home Depot. I mean, the lamp stack, the core foundation, the being able to look up on Google for instructions from a... Tom McFarlane or something like that, Justin Tadlock about how to do something. Those guys really taught me how to code. And, you know, the Triple J, who's a pal of mine now, you know, in online, it's like those guys were foundational as the early helpers or the early contributors to WordPress and making me believe, wait a second, I don't need a professional developer as a partner. I could take my expertise and desire to do something and make it happen on my own. And then I just conveyed that knowledge onto people one step behind me. So you saw that early. You recognize WordPress's potential at an early stage. So what was the what was the just the, the the high points of that arc? Like what have you been doing in WordPress for the past? I came in at the social network aspect. So again, uh, trip, John James Jacoby was in charge of BB Press, and then you had um, um, Boo Gorgas was running B, uh, Buddy Press, the really rudimentary social network. And so I started in that avenue trying to replicate what we were doing with the Ning platform or the Social Go platform. They, they had hired myself and my partner at that time. Um, once we were done with that, I was like, ah, we've got this audience. So I bridged the gap over to WordPress and brought a lot of those people out there. Anybody who really wants to dig up ancient history but is curious, in those days, it was a big deal. Like if you got mentioned in TechCrunch, tech right, it was the, the, the heyday. We got mentioned like three, four, five times, some of them complimentary, some of them not. As soon as it, they realized this guy from Chicago is, well, maybe like I am today, not playing ball with us over here. But I brought that information and that knowledge over to WordPress and tried to make it easy for people to understand, hey, there's an alternative to being on a platform you can maybe make this happen on your own with a few, a few plugins. And that worked out really well, but then it evolved into a relationship with somebody I met, uh, a guy named Dinus Gravaris, who was running firstwebdesigner.com at the time as a an advertising model 
site for articles about doing web design in general. Very heavy on CSS, HTML, PHP, and stuff that we needed to know then. I said to Dynas, look at the magic trick I did over here. Let's partner up. He had about three, four million visitors a month on his website, and he wasn't selling anything other than ad space. I said, we, we can sell membership and teach people how to do this. And that's mm. when I created what was called 1WD.TV, which I hated the domain. It's ridiculous. Nobody knew what that was. But it was from first web designer, so 1WD.TV. Yep. And that was around the 2011 era, I think, maybe 2010 and 11. So it was a couple of years after we moved over. Then I did that. And then that worked really well for three, four, five years until the page builders came along. Hey, Spencer, I was just curious out of all the WordPress related initiatives you had so far, because I've seen quite a few also on your profile. What is it that you are focused on right now? What is it that you're most excited about? The thing we do most now is we're showing people that WordPress is actually a platform. So WP Launchify is my primary consultancy branch. That is what shows people if you came to WordPress, your experience could be very similar to like if you went to Shopify or Wix or Weebly or Squarespace or any other platform, even the CRMs. They don't have 265,000 competing plugins and themes that you have to figure out how it works, or even that there's a .com and a .org. There's so much confusion in WordPress now for somebody who comes in from outside our world. It's like if you've never been to a Grateful Dead concert and you go for the first time, somebody who's been to Dead concerts, that's where you get this, and those people are doing that, and everybody knows it. But to an outsider, WordPress is unbelievably confusing. So what we're doing is making it simple that somebody can come in and understand, wow, a stack of very particular plugins accomplishes 95% of what you want. And then here's the use cases you can pick from. And you can always add your own stuff. But similarly to what I was saying to Jonathan, the page builders, as well as Gutenberg, have now changed the way that we make sites. So the choice numbers are consolidating. And I love this. But that's where WP Launchify and myself are trying to be at the forefront of this because it doesn't seem that Automatic wants to be there. They want to do something different. Where does WooCommerce come into the picture for you? Because 2011, I think, is when, if I'm calling my history right, as, as about the time, like, where does Woo first come into this? You're, you've been into WordPress. You're seeing where things are coming. Maybe you'd already played with some e-commerce. Talk, talk me through when that first came across your radar. I mean, you got to also understand that the gateways were not mature. I don't know what yeah. day Stripe came along, but when Stripe came along, that was like every holiday combined into one because up till then you had PayPal or you had to go to authorize.net or you had to bring a you know a blood test to the bank and to get permission. Now you could take credit cards without the aggravation of PayPal. So in the early days of the social network stuff, I do remember that we were probably taking PayPal subscriptions because I remember there was one or two people from those early days that just forgot to ever cancel. And you know, six years later, they're still paying through PayPal. So around that 2011 time, we started to say, hey, you know, one of the components that you can give to your clients as a freelancer in this, we're teaching you to make WordPress websites for businesses, is e-commerce. And it really became important as well when the WooCommerce subscriptions came along. Because now, PayPal, Stripe Gateway, WooCommerce, WooCommerce subscriptions at the heart of any business is always going to be some component of taking money whether it's a subscription membership, whether it's a one-time consulting fee, even if it's just donations. Yep. Instead of using like, a, in the time they didn't have Gumroad, but in the time they had um, these like one-off, I can think of names of them. They, there was one that was really janky, but really 
big at the time. It was like some dude in his basement where it was the only way to get paid on a recurring subscription. But the interface looked like it was done with, you know, early days of whatever, HTML. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, now we can get rid of those and instead use a beautiful interface, even simple as it was. Since you mentioned subscriptions, um, I had I found one gem in one of your LinkedIn posts. Um, you said something around the thought of um, attention to all online business owners. Regardless of what you said, did you know that you are actually in the membership of business? And I was thinking, can you maybe expand a little bit on that thought um, and how these principles apply to e-commerce store owners? For sure. I mean, is it really true for all online business owners and how does that work? Actually, I mean, great question. I love that. I love that you looked that up too, because I think more than ever today, we're in what we call the membership economy. And this has been true for a couple of years, but now think about it. It's so hard to build a new relationship because there's so much noise, so much traffic, so much competition. I've always said in my teaching in 1WDTV, um, that was what I taught is the business and marketing psychology. Dating is like business. Business is like dating. If you meet somebody, you have to follow the same social graces of human interaction with a business prospect as you do with a human, right? Like, hey, if it's a guy and a girl, a guy and a guy, it doesn't matter. Whatever your orientation, if you meet somebody and you're romantically interested, you have to start with, would you like to meet for coffee? And let's get to know each other for five minutes first before I run into the, here's my family and let's get married and run off and have kids or something. And in business, the same way. So when you think about it today, it costs so much time, effort, grief, popularity to get an interested lead or prospect anyway. You can't afford to let them go from just one purchase. You have to figure out a way to sell your services, sell your products, sell your information in a way that keeps them looking to you as their expert. And I think that's true in relationships as well. Even if it doesn't work out with the dating thing, you could still be friends. You could still help somebody out because you've built that trust. You've built that knowledge of how they think. And I think that's the foundation of any good business today, even if it is a large ticket selling. Yeah, Maybe they're not going to buy another $10,000 thing, but guess what? Clients come to me all the time with like $300 to $500 an hour questions because to them, it's worth it to come back for that. So let's, let's, t- let's apply this, this idea to builders. So you, you know the ecosystem fairly well. There's a lot of folks building plugins, themes, et cetera, for WooCommerce. What are some of the mistakes? Like if you take this idea that we should be thinking about business as membership, this long-term relationship, what are some of the mistakes that you see most often? Well, a couple of things. We did learn in the 1WD era in particular, we learned that you shouldn't, if you're smart, <laughs> teach people how to make money due to their own sales capabilities. So this is a very fine distinction. But for example, me teaching you a skill like how to build a website and that, by the way, you could sell that is different than me teaching you how to make a living building websites. Okay. One of them is teaching you a mechanical outcome that you can achieve regardless of your ability to talk to people. The other one is me teaching you how to be a salesperson or a marketer or a schmoozer, which is a French term. (laughs) I can't guarantee that somebody can make a living if they're really good at technical stuff, but really bad at talking to clients. Because the bad at talking to clients part is going to be the same implement, uh, the same detriment as if I was trying to teach you how to meet a a romantic partner, and you you can read all my stuff, but you literally cannot have a conversation at coffee. It's going to be really hard for you to meet somebody. So the number one mistake is making a business that's linchpin 
is relying on the variability of people's own marketing skill. And I'm going to use another controversial one. Uh, I have really good friends like John Locke. And the other day we were on with uh, Rand Fishkin on the show who are SEO experts. Pick the thing that you can demonstrate statistical results for. I could never demonstrate to anybody SEO benefits. In fact, I oftentimes give John a hard time about it because I say, I don't believe in SEO. I believe in relationships with the actual people that I meet through other means. I do not think I would do well in any business where I'm trying to sell something that I either don't believe in or can't deliver a result. And I think a lot of people make that mistake. And finally, the other thing is, I I see this all the time and it applies universally. Do not think in today's world you can get away with a business unless you're venture funded or you're really a well-to-do person already without putting your name and face and personal reputation on the line because social media will not let you escape the wrath of public being able to figure you out. So you're better off going forward saying, hi, I'm, you know, Bob Smith or Susie Smith or whatever I am. And this is what I'm trying to do and being honest that you know nothing yet, but you know a little bit more than to pretend you're some nameless, faceless brand or using one of those robot voices and then your videos all sound like they're coming from overseas or something. Just be yourself because in today's world, especially with AI coming along, everybody can fake it. Very few people are willing to stand up and look in that camera and say, I don't know much more than you, but I know enough to be worth it to you. And I think that's the secret. So we're getting back to relationships, right? Yeah. If I'm a builder then, if I'm wanting to get into this space, let's, let's say I have an idea for a plugin. How would you, what kind of, what guidance would you offer to someone who's new to this? Maybe they don't feel very confident in the marketing, the sales side of things. They're more on that technical, right. that technical, they feel confident they can build. Like, what guidance would you give? Two tips. Number one is be the birdie on the hippo's back. Okay. So you know how you ever seen this pictures like hippos, they don't mind the birds on top because the birds eat the bugs and that makes them happy and the birds eat and the hippos happy. Everybody's happy. It's a symbiosis. There's an infinite number of popular plugins. Hey, guess what? How about WooCommerce? Um, I build launch flows. Guess what launch flows is? It's the birdie on the WooCommerce's back. There's already millions of people who love WooCommerce, but unfortunately, at least for now, WooCommerce doesn't understand how to do sales funnel stuff. And so I take what's wrong or what's missing, I build that, and now I can market into that audience specifically who are welcoming me with open arms. Like, where have you been all our lives? Now, I have to admit that Adam Presser and Sujay uh, were both the ones that led the charge with Cartflows. That's how I got interested in it because Cartflows was a product I had some involvement with and was interested in. But launch flows came from being a, a birdie on a hippo's back. And that's always been the thing. Finding a pain that exists with an existing plugin and being able to make an add-on are what open source allows. Yep. And then the second thing is, it's controversial maybe because it's not a yes or no answer, but remember I said I originally had a technical partner who was necessary because I knew nothing of coding to get me into a very complex REST API world. If you start with an existing plugin and you modify it or add to it, it's far, far easier to teach yourself how to do that. Or if, like you said, you're a technical person to start with, now you don't have to say as much or do as much, but you should still follow the same rule, which it, it pains my heart, by the way. There's so many great plugins that are written by people who don't need to speak English per se, but like, my God, I'd rather hear you speak in broken English and say, I'm so-and-so from so-and-so country that developed this plugin. And then the rest is easy than to have these plugins that now exist where you don't know who the heck is the developer and where did this come from? Because that makes me uneasy as a buyer 
Yeah. If I'm going to put something into my e-commerce site from somebody I don't know who's the person responsible, you know, it's a trust issue. Are there some trust elements that you're looking for when you choose a plugin? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a lot of social reputation, social proof. So here's an example. I'm not picking on the WooCommerce particular plugin, but we think WooCommerce subscriptions or WooCommerce Stripe Gateway are essential, right? The WooCommerce Stripe Gateway is an official WooCommerce plugin. There are two or three or four other competitors. Um, I promised I won't swear on the show, but let's just say a couple of weeks ago, the official plugin took a dump in its pants and they did something where they removed one of the conditionals that allowed it to check whether this was a generic checkout page or not. And they just randomly did it. It was just a common mistake. They took out one of they took out two of the three conditions to check whether this Stripe gateway should appear. Well, they didn't consider that all the sales funnels, plugins, all the add-ons, you know, cart flows and woo funnels and launch flows, all, all of them are on pages that are not the official checkout page. Ah, yep. And so everybody's site for e-commerce broke all at once. And when we went to the actual repository, the person there answering the door was like, we haven't heard of any of this stuff. You must be wrong. And so all of us were forced into a position of having to say, we're not really wrong, but we're really more surprised by your response. Here's the photographic proof and the site proof. And as soon as like three or four or five of us proved it, it was like the adult came into the room and said, get out of the way, kid. And it's like, we're so sorry. We, you, you showed us where the code is broken and we fixed it. But that's an example of where if it was a third party and not the official plugin, would never go back to using that plugin again. Yeah. But because it was the official plugin and there was clearly like a mistake with the person answering the forums, but yet the adults came into the room fast enough, it caused damage to a lot of people, but not enough damage to ruin the reason to keep using the plugin. There's another example from a couple of weeks ago. I'm not going to say the person, you know of it, because I think we were talking about it on the show, Jonathan, of somebody who had a free plugin that worked with your avatar and they decided to turn it into a premium plugin by swapping out the code. But they made the other mistake, Anna. They were known. They had a name and a face, but they came in guns a-blazing like, we can do this because you guys are all idiots and essentially destroyed any of their goodwill, which is the opposite side of the coin. It happens to the best of us, but since they are such big players and you know people love them, do you think that they will be forgiven? Is there a way to redeem their reputation? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the point of being a person, right? So... I always say, and we were joking about it before the show, I'm like, look, I'm very strong-willed, strong opinionated. That's my nature. That's how I just live my life. I'd rather be me. But there have been times recently, in fact, I, I do my mea culpas and I give out ponies all the time. If a customer on launch flows has a bug and I'm like, eh, is it a bug? Is it a bug? If I find it's a bug and they're right, I'm like, you're right. I'm wrong. Here's a pony. And I put up an animated GIF. Or the other day, Andrew Palmer and uh, Vito Peleg were telling me, a couple months back about like why LTDs are this new hot thing for selling your plugins. And I'm like, oh, you got to be an idiot to do that. Sure enough, they had discovered something I hadn't thought about it. And I launched an LTD and I had to do a public apology. So the thing is, I would rather beg forgiveness than ask permission. So go with your instinct, but be prepared not to be, you know, less than a human being about it. Everybody makes mistakes. Just own up to them. Hey, Bob WP here, and I'd like to take a moment to thank two of our pod friends for their support of Do The Woo. When it comes to building Woo sites for your clients, everyone has their own strengths. If you need help with your clients' conversions and revenue, the team at Modeffect can be a part of your strategy 
to help your clients avoid the hassle of management and training. Partner up with Modeffect and let them help you keep your clients running smoothly in the long run at modeffect.com. Now, if you're looking for that right plugin for your clients who shop, chances are Yith will have what you are looking for. With over 100 plugins, I'm sure you will find that sweet spot. For example, their memberships and subscription plugin is perfect for selling videos, courses, lessons, consultancies, by restricting more access to member only and creating recurring income. To complement that plugin, the YIT Dynamic Pricing allows you to create your own Amazon Prime-like benefits and discounts for your members. Visit YITThemes.com to check out their extensive collection of plugins. Now let's head back to the show. So imagine you've got a builder. They're they're newer to the ecosystem, or maybe they've been there for a bit, but they, they're feeling like they want to improve. They've Maybe they're more technically inclined. They feel like they want to improve how they approach marketing, how they approach relationship building with customers. What guidance would you give? Like, how do you learn that? How do you get better at it? You just got to interact with human (laughs) beings. I mean, that's the part that's hard. You know, I grew up in a different era because I'm 72 this year. And in my day, we didn't have the. What? I don't believe you. Nobody's going to stop me on that one. I thought it was 80, Spencer. That's in my mind. I'm 54. (laughs) Nevertheless, I did grow up in an era where I think socially, even even 30-somethings and 40-somethings were raised differently than somebody in their 50s. We didn't have the benefit of people at our fingertips for relationships. So it was all about relationships first. We invented excuses to get out of our house and move out of our parents' house and get on with our life and do stuff because of that. And I think that's hard because today it is very easy. And I find my, I'm a victim of it myself to kind of go into your social media cave and just only communicate with clicks and, and little short messages. I think you need to go and find interesting pain points that fascinate you work for free to solve those pains until you become somebody that those people in that community trust enough. And then if you find that there's a common level of pain, you could try to offer a solution that is a saleable solution. So in other words, you know, I needed a back scratcher. I saw why I could build it. Hey guys, do you like my back scratcher? I can show you how to make it or I can sell it to you. That's the way that I've always found to make a good business on almost any kind of an economy or community. One of the things I've seen go really well is builders who will go into like the WooCommerce Facebook group, for instance, and ask questions or, or chime in on things. I've seen folks test ideas. It's like, hey, I've got an idea for a potential product. Does anyone think this would be useful? And using that to do validation. And and you're right, like it it's still there's this human element, right? Where it's you have to have those conversations. You have to connect with folks and find out like, hey, what do, you, what do you need? Like, what are the pain points that you've got? The thing that I would say is, and I don't have a black and white answer for this, is that I like the idea, and I use the metaphor of changing the engines on the airplane while it's in the air. So if you come to a scenario where you think there's something that's useful, try to make it for yourself. And if it works for yourself, show the actual thing that you've made as it is. In other words, don't spend a lot of energy or attention on your your title or your landing page or whatever. That's just all fluff. I'm socially uh, an acquaintance of Noah Kagan, who is an original expert in this. We used to play chess online, but you know he's the original expert of selling the most janky how-to videos long before the AppSumo days were big. And he would get away with it because at the end of the day, 
that's how people interact on a normal level anyway, right? If your friend said, I'm going to show you how to do something, they're not putting up a big glorious website and all this formal stuff. They just send you a video and or point you. And a lot of people take a lot of time trying to get everything just right, get the landing page just right. Oh, I've got an idea for a plugin, so I'm going to go and build it. I'm going to do all these things. And like, no, forget that. Like, that's fine. Those aren't bad activities, but they're not the most important activities. And to your point about like a conversation with a friend, if you're going to connect with people, like those aren't, that's not going to be why you win all that work you put into it. And I find it's often a way that either, even if it's subconscious, we delay having the real conversations. You just keep painting the fence and nobody's actually coming into the yard. And that's the problem is that it's really scary and hard. And I, I mean, listen, I admit this because I'd have to teach people that had social fear and anxiety. That's why I said earlier not to try to build a business on teaching people how to be good marketers, because that means you're trying to teach people to be different than their nature. Listen, the world needs marketers. The world needs developers. The world needs introverts and extroverts. It's not like you should be this or that, but it's clearly easier for an extroverted marketer type to go and sell stuff than an introverted you know, bookworm. And that doesn't mean yes or no, right or wrong, better or worse. It just means that's true. So if you've got those skills to make something, you could get a partner or you could do it in a way that is still honest, but maybe it's typewritten or maybe you pre-record your videos instead of doing live events. But put yourself out there and put the product out there because the people who want to buy it will validate the idea before you've painted your fence a hundred times and spent all the, the effort for nothing or vice versa. You've invested a lot into WooCommerce as an ecosystem. Like you're, you've built businesses. What, what's given you confidence? What, what gives you the confidence to do that? So you've, you've been in this for a while. I mean, this is I, the thing that immediately comes to mind is I have to thank Mike Jolly. I've never met Mike Jolly. I've met, I met almost everybody else that's relevant to me. And I'd like to meet more because there's so many people that contribute. But one of the things I love about Mike Jolly is the fact that Mike Jolly's mindset, and I believe he's British, right? He is British. Okay. Yeah. So my protege, Luke Stacy, is British. And there's a certain difference in the mindset, which makes us a good partnership. Because I'm the guy that's the, the weird American salesy, markety, social person and so forth. I got to thank Mike Jolly, not only for how awesome the code is. I mean, it's like that team of everybody under his, his wing is making something that's really solid, which is why I say, marry that plugin. But I have to thank him for the fact that he steadfastly has refused every single attempt by any person, including myself, to include features in WooCommerce that do sales funnels or anything other than the Home Depot-like experience. And the reason I'm thankful to him is because his steadfast resistance to that has made most of my recent livelihood possible. In other words, he sees the world of WooCommerce as it's a Home Depot first, foremost, and always, and will give you all the tools you need, which leaves the door open to guys like me to be the birdie on the hippo's back we'll take care of the sales funnel part because they could very easily spend two minutes of time and make sales funnels in WooCommerce. I've suggested to you several times, somebody from WooCommerce should just give me a call and put me on staff because I can give you a million pieces of data about how to do this. But the fact that they don't do that means that they've left some food on the table for everybody else. So I'm curious, and this is something that I think in general, when you have these larger ecosystems and you're building within it. So let's say WooCommerce decided tomorrow to do that, to build like a a more integrated, like to think about, to think about commerce more broadly 
and this idea of membership and, and making it more utilitarian. What does that do for you and your business? I move upstream. You see, my business is not about software. LaunchFlows is a software product that I built as an accessory to my main consultancy and knowledge base. I talked to Bob about this, Bob Dunn, and we, we share the same thing. In order to make yourself future-proof, especially when you're 72 years old, you can't tie yourself to today's software. I mean, I've been around long enough to remember when we were building Dreamweaver sites or Adobe Flash sites and Macromedia was a company, right? If I tied my business to that, I'd be dead or a dinosaur. Instead, I'm the guy that knows the latest and greatest technology and how it works for whatever platform I'm on. And I make it my business to stay one step ahead of the entire rest of the universe of business owners. Because as long as you do that, you can continually ride the front of the wave forward I say this all the time, WooCommerce and WordPress are not going to stay static. I mean, no. you've got all the, the stuff with like the JavaScript front end and you got the theme, you know, the, I can go through the whole list. Everything is changing. If I tried to build a business that my livelihood was built on, that was like this one plugin, forget about it. It'd be the end of the world because as soon as things change or worse, remember how I told you the story of how one day Ning's venture capitalists realized hey, Foreman and that other partner of his are making all the money. We're not. Turn them off. Well, go search out that stuff. You'll see the story. They just turned us off along with like 12,000 customers. I already know how that story ends. So by not being focused on the software or the technology, but more about being the knowledgeable person, I think that's how anybody can survive. You mentioned the page builders earlier, and I think those are good examples. Is like For a number of those, people went like all in on a page builder ecosystem. And that's not a bad play. If you look to the future, though, and especially if you started to see Gutenberg and full site editing and those things come along and say, okay, this is going to change. And if you're, if you're all like, no, we're going to build our entire business on a particular page builder. It's like, well, if you, as long as you accept that that may not be a long-term business, <laughs> then fine. But in general, if you want to stay in business, you have to continue. Like, I love that idea of thinking it, just move up market, right? Anticipate it. Like expect that at some point the especially in this open source world, at some point, the special thing that you developed either gets absorbed into core or becomes fairly commonplace. Then it's like, okay, well, what's the new problem that I can focus on solving? Because there will always be new problems to solve. I, I mean, I've got a great example of this. Huh? Is I Okay, so Sally Getch uh, is one of the regulars on the WP Tonic show. And she and I, she, like I was saying about SEO, how I would go after John Locke and say, I don't get it. I would hassle Sally indefinitely because as an Elementor fan and prior a Divi fan, but now an Elementor fan, I was very frustrated until very recently with the slow progress of Gutenberg to become just functional enough to use. I mean, it was like weirdness galore. But as of late, I think with the help maybe of a few accessory plugins, which by the way are all free, it has crossed the threshold. And so now... I came out in regards to another very esoteric page builder, which was Oxygen. The sales funnel community and the designer community of Oxygen are the most passionate people I've ever met because they would literally drive themselves and their children off a cliff, Thelma and Louise style, just because Oxygen said so, even though they admit that Oxygen breaks the core behavior of the WordPress themes. So like I told you the intro story, I refused to comply with that. And I said, launch flows won't work with it because it just doesn't show the theme page. Now, there was somebody who came up with a fix with that, but I was always giving Sally a hassle. I said, 
oh my God, it would be so much easier if at the core level of WordPress, at the editor level, if I could just make these checkout pages with the same beautiful stuff that's already available, everything would be simple. Why? Because then you could just have something like we figured out a solution, spit out the core page content and put it inside of whatever page builder you're using. And I think that that has arrived. But the lesson from that in relation to your question is this. See where things are going and try to meet them there instead of following where they're at today. Because the thing I can guarantee you, I'll go on record and maybe if anybody cares, we'll look this episode up in a year. I guarantee you, Elementor will survive. It has tens of millions of users. Divi will survive. It has tens of millions. Beaver Builder, probably it's kind of on my watch list of I don't know if there's enough to survive in its feature set. But my God, all these other little communities of page builders, if they want to survive, they're going to survive like little nightclubs survive because they have 100 fans. They're not going to survive when you can go into the core WordPress and that gosh darn Gutenberg is so awesome and so free and so like with stuff in there. And then when you talk about your earlier question, how can I, as a birdie on a hippo's back, make a living? Guess where you look? WooCommerce, checkout pages, sales funnels, with Gutenberg, because as soon as that's core into WordPress, you can have people with money hunting you down to get, you know, get what you're offering. Because unlike a ballerina site or a hobby site or a baseball team that's like a bunch of kids, people with stores have money. People with money care about them working and getting it done. And whether it's a couple hundred bucks here or a couple thousand there, when people have real money, those are the people that will pay for your plugin and make it worth you to do it. And I think it's important there too, to also challenge preconceived notions. I notice a lot of folks in the builder ecosystem will kind of do what others have done, right? It's like, oh, what do I charge for my plugin? Well, I'm just going to kind of look around and I'll just pick an arbitrary price. I've talked to folks getting into Woo for the first time who are having a hard time with how cheap the plugins are. You mean that they're not cheap enough or they're too cheap? That they're, they're, they're too cheap. It's like, I'm built, I have a big business. I'm moving from something else over to Woo. You're telling me that I'm going to have the core of my business on a $200 plugin. By the way, what's, what's interesting too, I want to just clarify something. My other thing that I was saying was an example of how Sally was right. I was wrong. Okay. But in, in regards to your, your current question, I find that the paradox of WordPress puts people into two camps. You've got one camp of people that are WordPress first and you got people that come from other SaaS products and CRMs first. Hello, anybody who's out there listening. If you want to make money in WordPress, focus all your energy on the people coming from Salesforce or HubSpot or Infusionsoft, or whatever, because they're going to come in and they're going to be like, what? You're saying for a year, it's going to cost me the same amount as one phone call to a Salesforce consultant and I own it and I control it. That's 100% of what WP Launchify is designed to reveal because those people are out there looking and unfortunately, or fortunately for me, they're, they, they don't get or understand what's WordPress.com or WordPress.org or how do I get started? It's all jibber jabber to them. So what we're trying to do is make it as simple as Salesforce's sales page that guess what? You need a CRM capability with a CMS. It's all built into one stack. Here's the stack you need. You know. My last question for you. So we have 17 plus years of WordPress, WooCommerce. There's a lot of momentum there. You've been watching for a long time. You've been a part of the ecosystem. What, uh, what's your concern? Do you have any concerns for the future of WordPress and Woo? Like what's, um, I guess, what could go wrong? What could kill it? If you take your background in Ning, look what you observed. So here's what I feel is going to happen. 
I don't think it's any secret that there's a, a pulling of, of interest between the investors in Automatic and the users, the developers, the community of, of WordPress. And mm-hmm. there's been some back and forth that has nothing to do with me between Matt and the founder of Wix. One of the things that I said, which I still believe is true, is the Achilles heel of Automatic, not of WordPress per se, but of Automatic, is that it's open source at its core. Yeah. There is nothing stopping the founder of Wix, who has a $15 billion market cap, from paying a couple hundred million dollars to Elementor's team or somebody else and building a fork of WordPress that solves a lot of the problems that aren't being solved. Now, do I feel that's a danger to the community here? No, it's a benefit to us because there's a lot of complaints that I have about the speed, like I said, of Gutenberg's development or the accessibility issues. Yeah. But that's the danger to automatic. And so what you're seeing now is somebody like a Wix founder could take the software, put it out there and just be like, hey, man, you you get all the freedoms and all the stuff promised, but everything works properly. And by the way, the benefit of all these extra things. That's, I think, a real potential possibility. It is interesting to see as more of the outside, as bigger companies start to get more involved, they see like WordPress at this point is huge, right? Like you look at how big it is, the influence it has over the web as a whole, what's it going to look like as more outside interest comes into the project and recognizes the opportunities? Remember Linux, Linux was open source software. And it wasn't until I think Red Hat or one of the other competitors monetized it and put professionals to develop it and decided to do things to prevent other people from being legally able to copy it, that it evolved into a full-fledged product that at the time was sort of interesting compared to Windows. But I see that metaphor here. Um, there's lots of people that want Wind- uh, that want WordPress as a ready-to-go solution. And if that could be wrapped up into something that doesn't feel like you're sort of locked into a Trojan horse, then it will work. But otherwise, I think somebody's going to try to do that, either at the hosting level or at the page builder level, or maybe just as a goof to be an accessory to something else. Spencer, I have one more question for you. What's your thought uh, or your piece of advice for people who are becoming builders? They're at the beginning of their career. Um, Do you think that there's still time to become a really, really good builder and do something that matters? I do. And here's why. The cool thing about what we're talking about is that we used to have five toys. Then we had 500 toys. Now we have 5,000 toys. So now WordPress, I think, is crossing, what, 40-something percent of all the internet websites with CMS, right? So that's millions and millions of users and thousands and thousands of toys. Pick a little group of people that have one particular pain Now there's so much space for everybody. I mean, it can feel overwhelming, like hopeless at the same time. But if you think about it, you don't have to solve the world's problems. You can go into your own little community with a group of 100 people and solve them and make a livelihood. You know, that's, that's, you know, your your own little version of uh, Seth Godin or whoever said that originally, you know, your hundred true fans, right? So I'm saying that the excitement of WordPress moving so fast is that there are more opportunities than ever before. But don't try to solve the big stuff first. Just solve the thing. And along with that, I really encourage people. Chris Coyer is who taught me CSS. And I told you like using uh, Stack Overflow, but also like Tom McFarlane and Justin Tadlock and John James Jacoby. They were all my inspiration. Who taught me a lot of PHP and functionality WordPress. Go out and learn the mechanics as well as the psychology, because I think that's going to make you more powerful as a, a person selling their product. I feel my advantage over 
Sujay and Adam. Adam is a brilliant YouTuber. I only have 7,000 people. He has 200 something thousand, but he serves a different community. He serves the newbies that find him on YouTube. I serve the people coming in from outside CRMs who want a business solution. They need a higher level of expertise. So you pick your niche, you pick your audience, you pick your skill set, but having that triple threat of knowing the psychology, knowing the code a little bit, and knowing what the pain points are will allow you to act more quickly versus having to you know rely on other people. So you heard him, guys. Go out and learn. Spencer, where can we learn more about you? Yeah. Primarily, I would ask people to go to WPLaunchify.com. It's our discovery tool. It's now out of beta. It allows you to see what I've been blabbing about here, which was find out for your own use case or those of your clients, what stack of things would be useful. And then we're still experimenting with what's happening next. And I can give you a hint. The consolidation of WordPress has made it really important to me to go back to an idea that we used to do, which is not just to be consultative and say, go get your own server and put it on, but to offer like start to finish for anybody, here's what you need in WordPress as a platform. And by the way, here's a ready to use box of stuff. We avoided that for a while because WordPress was changing and it was hard to keep up. Like I said, ch you know, chasing the, the changes, but now we've reached a point that with this tool and this method, you can either get the advice you need for free or, or higher, or you can even get the ready to go solution. And to me, the service that's nice about that is that unlike a platform, like ClickFunnels, unlike uh, Kajabi or some or Shopify, with WordPress you can learn what to make, either make it yourself or get it from us, and then it's yours. You own it, you control it, you can take it. You can't take ClickFunnels with you. You can't take Kajabi with you. If you build your entire business, you're married to them for as long as you want that business to exist. With our solution, you have an open source, own it, control it, and if better, you're an implementer. Many of our more successful clients are actually intermediaries who take what we've shown them or built for them and they go sell it to doctors or lawyers or carpenters or whomever because that's the beauty of it, right? Uh, we had a big client that was a bookkeeper instructor. It doesn't matter with WordPress because you don't have to send them to somebody else's platform. You can own it and white label it and have it yourself. Awesome. And I wanted to say a special thanks to our two pod friends, Mode Effect. And Yith, Mode Effect is a fantastic agency. You can check them out at modeeffect.com and yiththemes.com. They've got a bunch of WooCommerce plugins. Spencer, thanks so much for joining us. It was my pleasure. I loved your questions. I love being here. And uh, I look forward to uh, seeing the episode when it comes out. <laughs> <laughs>